Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. Hey, Derek, what's happening? Not much, man. It's uh, just hunkered down, trying to, you know, <laughs> enjoy some family time. It's becoming a homeschooling teacher, and I'm I'm learning French. I think I mentioned that the last episode, but yeah. I'm learning more French now. And oh, oh, here's another thing. Do you know that uh, the school board has somehow messed up math? Which math part? Is not. It's math is not done the same way anymore. They don't no. do addition, subtraction, multiplication. It's all different. It's like it's like somebody went in there and said, "Let's make this as weird as possible." Have you gotten to long it's, division yet? Isn't that messed up? Like, who does it that way? Why would you do it that way? Uh, I don't think that helps. No, I don't think that helps at all. So <laughs> it's a big learning curve for me. <laughs> so here I'm trying to get them to go through their 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 math lessons and it's like um i don't know that i can help you with this <laughs> can you help me with my homework no <laughs> no i'm not smart enough go see your mother learn those words yes go see mom she'll know what you're doing because i don't but really math is so messed up now it just doesn't make sense yeah yeah they they, they made a lot of changes to it and it's just like it's ridiculous there's nothing wrong with it before yeah it's like what the heck mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, so messed up. Yeah, no, uh, same old, same old going through here, just working yeah. working every day down in my basement. And you're working from home too, right? I'm working from home, yep. But I tell you, <laughs> it's been over a month since I put gas in my truck. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, yeah, Mike, this tank of gas has lasted forever. Yeah. I've I've pumped gas once since this whole thing. Best gas mileage ever. I know. <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm I'm, I'm going to take my truck. I might just drive, like take a boot down the uh, 401 or something back just to give it a good run. Yeah, um, don't want clean anything. it out. Yeah, yeah, give it a good clean out. <laughs> See if the cops can chase me. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. The highways are so empty that people, like the cops are catching people doing like 170. There's they had guy doing what 225 or something the other day. Wow. And it's like because they, it's like well, there's nobody on the highway. I wanted to open it up. It's like well, dude, you're gonna kill somebody. Yeah, you don't want to be opening it up quite that much, buddy. I know, right? So people are seen. People seem to be a little bit more relaxed with being like, hey, the 401. Look how empty it is. Yeah. Let's go. I can be Mario Andretti if I really wanted to in my Subaru. Exactly. I think it's hilarious. And dangerous. Yes, yes. Um. Anyway. Yeah. You keep hitting your mouthpiece or something tonight. Oh, did I bump it? Again. Yeah. 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 yeah look at that. Oh, I tell you. <laughs> just can't get good help anymore. I know, right? Yeah, you just isolate everybody and everything just gets all screwy. Yep. <laughs> the world's ending. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine, though? Can you imagine if you uh, were to go on a large expedition-like trip, let's say you run down the Grand Canyon, and yeah. me, 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 you're happily uh, you know, running the rapids and, and doing some real huge uh, rafting canyon runs, and you're having a great time, and... And uh, so, you know, let's say you start your trip like this group did, and it's like towards the end of February, and you're, woohoo, let's go, and, and uh, you know, 
life is great. You're running the Grand Canyon. <laughs> so this group that uh, I just read about today, they uh, they shoot out at the end of the of their trip. They're, and they're like, hey, this is a fantastic trip. They're sad that the trip's over. And the outfitter comes to pick them up and pick up the gear. And he says to them, so uh, have you been in touch with the outside world since you were on this trip? Uh, no. Why do you mention it? <laughs> well, let me tell you a story about while you were gone. <laughs> It's, I read this story and I was just like, oh my god, the, just the uh, the massive amount of information that you'd have to inhale as you come, you know, you're, <laughs> you are relying on each other, you're in full contact with people, you're doing uh, man-to-man gear handling and you're doing all this and you're a team. And then you come out and it's like, okay team, we're not allowed to be within six feet of each other anymore. And, and by the break. way, everything yeah. <laughs> shut down and it's like, oh my God, it's like such a change. Like that would be, uh, it would be overwhelming, I think. Well, first so you've got to think if this guy's lying to you or not. Oh, I know, right? Is he playing a joke on us? Yeah. Is it, is this, is, is it April 1st? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, I was, yeah, I was reading about this, uh, this thing in uh, Adventure Journal. And uh, they just, they knew that there was a couple of COVID cases. They knew that sort of stuff going on. But they left on this trip around February 19th. Yeah, February 19th, yeah. uh, Yeah, and they came out on March 14th, well after a lot of this crap had happened. And uh, so they're like, what's going on? The world has really changed, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) And so I just can't imagine the, like, you you're out of touch for so long and i've thought about this on long trips before like you know you go away on a two-week trip and uh you come back out of like whatever park you're in and you 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 say to yourself hmm i wonder what's different has there been a world war while i was gone you know what i mean yeah i thought this stuff before you get you kind of wonder you come out it's like oh the world's the same no difference yeah, all your your phone just starts going ba-ding, 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 I know, ba-ding, right? ba-ding, ba-ding, all the way home. Yeah. And I uh hundred and fifty texts. <laughs> the one thing she's saying su- supermarkets were cleaned out of dry goods and toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she said she was lucky after about four or five days of searching, she scored a, a package of toilet paper. Yeah. It's like, oh man. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's something, man. Just coming out of yeah. a trip like that, and I know it'd be so overwhelming. Yeah, it's like being blindsided by just such a huge revelation, right? Well, I mean, and you're behind everybody on what you're supposed to be doing as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody's already yeah, get, starting to get into the. Catch up. Yeah, they're they're starting to get into the. Okay, you got to stay this far away, and you can't do this, you can't do that, and and yeah, they're just like, the hey, rules. everybody, give me a hug. I'm back. Oh no, 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 <laughs> no, no, stay no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that'd be something, man. I'm behind the eight ball. How am I supposed to hoard toilet paper now when it's all gone? <laughs> That's when you say, you know what? Take me to the back, like the top where we started, and, and I'll just do and it we'll again. we'll do this again. Yeah. <laughs> Rerun the river. Yep. Can I get a redo, please? There's got to be somebody already. That, there's got to be people still out there somewhere that have still don't know, right? Like, you know, you hear about stories of, uh, of uh, after World War II, these Japanese guys who uh, are hidden in a cave on some some uh, island in the middle of the Pacific. And, uh, you know, like 40 years later, it's like, what? The, war, the war's the over. The war's over? <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> the day after you were stationed on that island? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that'd be something, man. Definitely something to be yeah. coming out to that. 
Yeah, it'd be crazy. But like you say, I mean, definitely been on a canoe trip and you come out and something like not on this scale has happened. You're like, ooh, that's, that's. Sucks. I know, right? Yeah. But yeah. But to have something like this happen, that's wild. Right? And just think, just two months ago, everybody was saying, oh, the Australian wildfires, that's such a huge thing. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, we, we need to re-estimate what uh, you mean by huge thing, because uh, the Australian wildfires, are no longer a huge thing. <laughs> Whatever happened to them? I, I don't know. There's haven't been on the news since, right? No. It's been overwhelmed by COVID-19. It's, it's like, are they still burning? I don't know. Did, did like Mother uh, Nature say, know? time out, time out? <laughs> okay, <laughs> fires come back next year. Yeah, there, there was, it, but, was, yeah. it was dropped. Yeah, it's just, it you, you stopped being mentioned. And, and the last I heard of it, it was still full-fledged conflagra- conflagration, right? This, mm-hmm. Like Australia was completely on fire. And and suddenly it's like, you don't hear about it anymore. It's like, no. well, the, I, I assume the fires didn't just go out. I, I assume something happened there, right? Yeah. But it hasn't been in the news. No. I'm sure if, you ha- if if you're in Australia, it'd still be in the news. But uh, we haven't, I haven't heard anything. No, anywhere anything around the world the it's not, I don't think. So it's just uh, this new thing has kind of overwhelmed all current news, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of this new thing, uh, the new thing to do is do things online. We talked about Jerry Vandiver yeah. doing his online uh, yeah. on the porch uh, virtual oh, yeah. concert, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. The Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium was this past weekend. Did you watch it? I saw some of it, but uh, I was I was working nights, and uh, so I it played in the background the whole time. Yeah. And every once in a while, I managed to to kind of focus on it a bit. But there's a lot going on at work, so it was uh, it was like, there like the running the of a nuclear power plant, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew you were working. I just didn't uh, know if you'd yeah. have it on or not. But I did. I did get on there. I did. Uh, you know, I said some hellos at the first in mm-hmm. the chat group and. And I managed to catch, I catch here and there. I saw some, the start and the finish of John Bablock's thing. Right. Um, who was up first? Um, Leah and was, um, uh, Brad. Yeah. So I country. saw, I saw a good portion of that, probably about half of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, it was. Uh, I think I. Oh, I I saw the intro of the last segment. For and, Terry. But I didn't. See, I didn't see the whole thing. Yeah. So, but it's online now. I'm going to go back and watch it. Uh, me and Siobhan have been planning on uh, putting it up on the big screen and, and watching it, right? Well, there's definitely something to be said for sitting in a large group with fellow paddlers and watching someone give a live presentation. Yeah, 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 yeah. This year, it, it definitely, definitely a different feel to the whole thing, of course, because, oh, yeah. you know, you're not Absolutely. in a theater. But, yeah, and it's hard to focus on it because there's other outside things can distract you, like me being at work and so on. Mm-hmm. Did, uh, does uh, Dennis Rogers know how many people tuned in? Can he, does he have those numbers? Uh, well, I know that when I was looking at it, it was just over 400 at that point. Oh, you could see the number? Oh, yeah, you can see the number, how many people are, are currently viewing. Okay. I didn't notice that. I was trying to find, figure out who, how many were watching. I didn't yeah. see the numbers. 400, that's pretty good. Yeah. So not not being able to chat with your friends before and after the show, not seeing and checking out vendors, you know, in the yeah. lobby, not Gold being able lunch. to win door prizes. Yeah. Because <laughs> no yeah. one was giving me anything free here. 
That, it really adds to the whole symposium. It really does the whole. Yeah, it's the atmosphere, and that's yeah. the key part. It's the atmosphere. Like it yep. was really cool to see everybody talk and do their presentation and discuss their, you know, the question. I, the question and answer after after each one was really good. It was nice. It was Dennis Rogers. It was uh, he had it really slick how he presented it, and he could switch between you know, active participants and, and, and David Bain and stuff like that. I thought it went off really well, technically, right? Mm -hmm. It was, uh, I was impressed by how smooth and, and clean it was. It was, uh, I thought it was really good. We're very well done. But again, it's, it's so different not being there in person. It's that you're, you're missing out on the atmosphere and you miss out bumping into people and, and having a chat. And so it's a lot of that stuff was, is really key to going to an event like that. And, and you sort of missed out on it. I, I saw that a bunch of people got together. There was a, there was an after after party zoom party thing so a lot of people were chatting online afterwards i wasn't able to join it because I, again i was busy at work but i did see that uh that uh paddling or um matt was uh, asking people hey you want to have an after party zoom thing so yeah, that was pretty cool that was steve still had the after party and but it was still it's uh it's 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 really good that, to have seen it but the atmosphere of being there in person is uh was definitely missed yeah, definitely, definitely adds adds to the whole experience. But yes. that being said, um, big shout out to, like you say, the presenters and everything, and a uh, big shout out to the folks over at Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium and Canoe Hound yes. Adventures for getting everything up there. And like I say, over 400 people watching, so that's not too shabby. Mm-hmm. Um, usually we like to give a little synopsis of the symposium just to rub people's noses in it if they waited too long <laughs> to get tickets <laughs> and didn't, but, uh, we've posted the link to the full YouTube video on our Facebook page. You can go yes. to the Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium Facebook page and find the link, or you can go directly to the Canoe Hound Adventures YouTube channel and find the actual video. Your choice. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, if you, if you haven't seen it, jump up online there and, uh, Check it out. And again, everybody, uh, Brad, Brad Jennings, Leah Schmidt of Explore the Backcountry, Scott Robinson, a.k.a. Man Camping, Kate Barrett, John Babalik, and Tori Baird. Uh, good on you for getting out there in one form or another and still doing your presentation. David and Matt, way to go. Good job. Uh, Dennis, good job. And uh, hopefully we'll, uh, well, we'll see everybody at the, the winter one because that's the next one. Um, what else we got here? Okay. So I've been hearing a lot about this over the last couple of years and I've decided to finally take a week. This is actually a, 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 been a week of me Googling again. I'm still looking for the end of the internet. <laughs> I know. Still looking for it. <laughs> I have been hearing a lot over the last few years of the Royal Canadian Geographical Society. Um, when it comes to canoe tripping and exploration and stuff like that. And to me, like when you hear something like that, I don't know if it's just hearkening back to the old exploration days, you figure that sort of thing really doesn't exist anymore, but it does. Um, there's a lot of people out there still exploring. So the Royal Canadian Geographical Society was founded in 1929 with the important mandate of making Canada better known to Canadians and to the world. Under the patronage of Governor General, the society has for 90 years led the charge towards fostering a deeper appreciation of Canada's natural, cultural and social heritage. 
Uh, you know the Canadian Geographic magazine? Yes. Yep. That's them. And I've been reading that forever. <laughs> you know. Uh, they develop additional publications like Geographica and the Canadian Geographic Travel, which supports Canadian geographical expeditions, provides grants and scholarships uh, for geographical research. So, like I say, when, when you're looking at canoe um, um, expeditions and stuff like that, that's where I've been hearing it, you know, because that's what, you know, we do. We pay attention oh. to what's happening with canoes, right? And paddling. Yep. Yep. But there's, they, they do stuff with mountain climbing and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, hiking treks across Canada, all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's dedicated to promoting, enhancing public awareness for Canadian geography and strengthening the bond between Canadians and their diverse and vast geographical heritage. They've also got an education program called the Canadian Geographic Education. Currently provides free geographic educational materials and supports over 21,000 educated educator members and their membership expanding every year. So it's like, I guess, like teachers and stuff like that, right? You can get free maps and geographical materials for their classes and stuff, yeah. which is pretty yeah. cool. And it's, it's kind of funny. It was uh, with the, and I had forgotten that they even existed. And it wasn't until I saw what you're going to talk about later is the, uh, the traversing, or who was it? Uh, shoot, what are they called? Who? The group that did this traverse. Uh, the Boreal to Barren Lands? Yeah. What are they called? Scavengers? Northern Scavengers? Yeah, the Northern Scavengers. Yeah. Why couldn't I come up with that? I don't know, man. Totally my head. But anyways, so until I saw them do their trip, I had forgotten that the Canadian Geographic had uh, existed, right? It's because mm -hmm. you, you think of it uh, back in the day. It, it, they were huge when when we were, you know, looking at the limits of, of, our, of our land and how big and, and what's in Canada and, and so on, right? And you kind of forget about it because they're not as high and uh, high profile as it used to be. It was, you know, we're using satellites and stuff like that. There's really, is there that much left to discover? But apparently there is. Yeah. And there's a lot more to discover that we still don't know about in the, in the really, you know, isolated areas of Canada. Well, I think it was, was it not Adam Schultz that found a new river a few years back? He was doing his cross northern Canada trip, and I think he found a new waterfall or a new river or something like that. Really? Yeah, I have to go back and check that one out. But yeah, it's it's surprising what's there. So they're yeah extending their current knowledge of Canada's geography through exploration and scientific expeditions. And mm -hmm. they have a they have a long history of funding major and modest expeditions across the country. Where do they get their money? Donations Canada, and stuff. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was looking at over the last couple of years, there was the Boreal to Barren Lands Traversing Labrador one in 2019, 840 kilometers Labrador, Quebec interior. They traveled west to east via five rivers over a course of 35 days, right? That's the, the, uh, Northern Scavengers. The Secret Coast, two adventurers spent a month traversing Vancouver Island's remote outer coast on foot and by kayak. Rediscovering a Lost Part of Canada's History. That was last year. Uh, Expedition ACOR, A-K-O-R, in 2018. A major canoe expedition will take six adventurers in the heart of Quebec and Labrador's great northern wildlife. Uh, this group 
brought together by Nicholas Rule, a secondary school geogra- geography teacher and geography master applicant, will travel 1,500 kilometers in three months to connect George River, Ungava Bay, Mount Iberville, and the steep coast of Labrador Sea. Because so that was in 2018. Then there is back to the Peel River Basin. This canoe expedition will venture from the headwaters of the Wind River to the Peel River, ending in Fort McPherson. Three-week trip follow the route of the first formal mapping expedition of the Peel River Basin by uh, Royal Canadian Geographical Society founder Charles Camsell. Team leaders David McGuffin and Terry Camsell are the great-grandson and grandson, respectively, of Charles. I think we talked about that one before. That sounds familiar. And then there was the Ungava Unknown, retracing the Carnegie Expeditions of Northern Quebec. This again was, I think, uh, 2018, if I'm not mistaken. Between 1901 and 1958, Pittsburgh's Carnegie Museum sponsored 25 expeditions in Northern Quebec and Labrador. Northern Quebec and Labrador seem to be like the hot spot. This obscure institution established ecological baselines long before Canada invested any research in the area. Uh, This team will embark on an eight-week canoe journey that retraces the 1938 Carnegie Expedition. So there's a lot of, I mean, these are just, what, one, two, three, four, five of them just in the last couple of years, right? So there are uh, a lot of of, uh, expeditions still going on out there, and I think we need to cash in. So expeditions, uh, the expedition can get grants and there's five level of expedition grants that the society uh, will give out, but not all of them are awarded every year. Oh, okay. So now the Northern Scavengers, the boys, they, uh, I assume they, they carried the flag. So I assume they got a grant, right? I would think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're on, they're on the list here too, right? So they yeah, would, they, cool. I just don't know what size of grant they got. That, that yeah. I don't think it says. Uh, let's see, there's five levels. Uh, the first one is the expedition of the year and only one of those are given and it's up to 15,000. The normal range is between 10 and $15,000. Yeah. And there's the major grant, which is up to 5,000. Uh, it doesn't say how many there are of that. It says awarded to projects that are deemed to have strong combination of adventure, enhancement to geographic appreciation of Canada and its people, and a solid outreach component. Yeah, they would they would qualify for the top two there. Yeah. Um, do, 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 do. The seed grant is the third one, up to $3,000. Normal range is between five and 3000 Awarded to projects deemed to qualify for support where... The funding is seen as able to encourage projects to proceed. So I think it's like a, a top-up sort of thing. So, eh, we only mm-hmm. need 500 bucks to, or $2,000 or whatever to get this thing off the ground. Well, here you go. Here's two grand. Women's Expedition Grant, up to $5,000. For expeditions with female leadership and participation, awarded to projects where all participants are women, intended to encourage leadership and participation by women on expeditions in Canada. And that is a far cry from what it used to be way back in the day, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's yes. a far cry from, from that. Uh, and the last one, Indigenous Expedition Grant up to $5,000. 
for expeditions with Aboriginal leadership and participation, awarded to projects undertaken by Aboriginal groups, organizations, or individuals from any of Canada's diverse Aboriginal communities. Then uh, there's a thing. So it looks like with all the things added up, it's it's not a lot of money. So we're looking at anywhere between thirty and fifty thousand dollars a year, depending on how many grants are given or not given each year. So it's it's mm-hmm. not a very big budget but i imagine they're not playing with a lot of money anyways right well if a lot if of they're relying donations. on donations and yeah yeah stuff like that i can't see it being tons and tons of cash yeah. but it's amazing to be able to actually be able to provide this financial support for for groups you know it's 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 tough to it's tough for normal people to do these kind of expeditions without external support right mm-hmm. which is you know it's the same thing we keep talking about uh you know the uh the, the island that we want to visit right oh banks island yeah Banks Island, yeah. So to do Banks Island, it's it's not something that is easily afforded by the average Joe, right? So if somebody wants to do an expedition, they could uh, apply for this kind of financial support, and and if you are deemed qualified and and relevant, then they'll give you the money, and it, you know it could really help in in a pinch with a lot of these uh, expeditions that people go on every year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so like hey, you just go online and you apply and. Your, here's what I want to do, here's what I want to do it, and here's what I want from you. And mm-hmm. then they put it in front of their board of directors that look at everything and say, yes, yes, no, 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 yes, no, yes, no, no, yes, no. Eh, <laughs> I'll think about it. That sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Uh, huh. there's, there's, Interesting. Yeah, it is. There's another thing. Expeditions undertaken by professional adventurers, expeditions led by amateurs will be considered equally with expeditions led by professionals. So you have as much chance of getting a grant as one of these guys who do this for a living. Yeah, somebody who you know crosses the arctic and does snowshoe ski and whatever across the north pole and mm-hmm. or you know me who would uh maybe try and do a, a trip like uh you know Ngava peninsula or something, right? Yeah. So you if have relevant, you have then... as much a chance of getting a grant as these guys do. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, in order to be supported by the Royal Canadian Geographical Society, expeditions whose leadership and or majority of participants, proponents are professional adventurers will require a high level of physical challenges and difficulty, enhanced gain of knowledge in the broad sense of the word as opposed to scientific discoveries, and an enhanced and significant outreach component. So if there's a whole group of professionals going out to do this thing, it's got to be one wackadoodle of an expedition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so get a bunch of amateurs together. <laughs> and your goals don't have to be as lofty. <laughs> yes. But look at the goals of the Northern Scavengers. Like, uh, I can see why they would easily be funded by by uh, by this. It's uh, mm-hmm. That was one heck of an expedition for them to cross uh, Labrador, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Quebec and Labrador. Well, when, uh, you know what, like there's also, you know, the, the extra little bit of the esteem or whatever you want to call it. Yes. Of absolutely. being granted the right to carry their flag as well. Yep. Yeah. You know, I mean, you think of the National Geographic, right? That's the biggie. From yeah. Everybody knows that. But still, sense like something pride. like this, the sense of Canadian pride to be able to carry that flag yep. and go on an expedition partially funded by the, the Royal uh, Canadian Geographical Society. It's a pretty cool thing. It absolutely is. 
So if you want to find, and there's a whole lot more to find out about the Royal Canadian Geographical Society, uh, rcgs.org. You can go there and find out a whole lot of, of information, historical backgrounds, and they have a ton of different types of um, trips that, that have been in the past uh, funded by them. You can go and check out what these people did and, and uh, all that sort of thing. But like I say, I was just looking at paddling ones, and there tends to be a lot of... If you're looking at going to northern Quebec and Labrador, I'm thinking you're a shoe in because that's where <laughs> that's a lot where of them seem to be. That's, that's where, where most people go. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it seems to be the there's not too much remoteness left in Canada unless you unless you go way north, right? Mm-hmm. But like Northwest Terriers, none of it, and so on. So many people are in those areas, but but uh, you know, on Gava Peninsula, Northern Quebec, and and Labrador, it's it's a lot of open land that is very rarely uh, trekked into, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, so it's difficult. If, very difficult. Yeah. Super duper difficult. Yeah. So. Awesome. Um, we should go next year. Yeah, let's go. We'll, we'll plan <laughs> it. Let's go now because, you know, social distancing from everybody. Yeah, we'll get away from the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk about something else here. We're just going to do a quick break. Uh, an area that I didn't even, I didn't know existed as uh, a biosphere, but mm-hmm. I've been traveling through that area for years and years and years and years. So again, I'm, I'm stumbling through the, the world of the internet looking for the end and I'm finding weird and wonderful things. So let's take a quick break and when we come back, we'll be discussing that. Hi, this is Derek Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. So there's an area that I seem to spend a lot of time traveling through uh, over the years going to Ottawa, going to Kingston and stuff like that. There is a place called the Frontenac Arch Biosphere. Have you ever heard of it? I, I had Before today. today? <laughs> before today, no. I had, I didn't know it existed before today. Like, I, I know about Frontenac Provincial Park and stuff like that, but uh, I, I was unaware of that it was considered a biosphere. Well, and not so, just oh, the park. I, I learned what a biosphere was today, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. A biosphere reserve is an ecosystem with plants and animals of unusual scientific and natural interest. It is a label given by UNESCO to help protect the sites. The plan is to promote management, research, and education in ecosystem conservation. 
This includes the sustainable use of natural resources. Now you've learned something. <laughs> yes. Smarticle <laughs> particles. There you go, baby. You've learned something today. So, yeah, I was just Googling places to um, go paddling and stuff like that. And this thing popped up because there's a whole bunch of paddling areas within this biosphere. So, so just, is it easy to find? Is like, are they? Is it well mapped? Can you yeah. trip plan? Like, what does it have? Like, what did you find? Well, first off, let me let me let's just not jump ahead now. Let's just go to the last page. <laughs> well, just see. Uh, suddenly, I'm very anxious to. As uh, soon as all this crap closes down a bit, then we're allowed out of our houses. I want to go check this place out. Well, it was 1742. 1742. <laughs> well, I'm going to start at the beginning. No. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It was actually 1642. <laughs> Are these actual dates or are you no, making it up? I'm just pulling crap out my butt. <laughs> so initially nominated in 2000, the Frontenac Arch Biosphere region was designated by Canada's, as Canada's 12th Biosphere Reserve, which I didn't realize we had any. So, hey, might as well come in at the yeah. 12th. Uh, Redesignated 2007 with a larger land area, including Frontenac Provincial Park. So Frontenac Provincial Park wasn't even in the the original part. Oh, really? Yeah. So what? Wait a sec. So this is the Frontenac Arch Biosphere. Yeah, it's not. Frontenac Frontenac Provincial Park wasn't a part of it. Not to begin with, no. Huh? Yeah, it's just the area, Frontenac area, right? Biosphere region overlaps with the traditional territories of the Algonquin and Iroquois lands and covers areas from Brockville to Gananoque, this is Ontario, extending north of Kingston, including Harrowsmith, Verona, and Westport. It encompasses an area of approximately 2,700 square kilometers. Wow. Mm -hmm. So what makes this significant this area what what what's makes it stand out special that unesco would recognize it a lot of things apparently <laughs> <laughs> that it didn't i didn't say when you start looking at their website there's a lot of stuff on it there's there's you can spend a lot of time looking at all this i just went to the um uh, the paddling part of it okay so so yeah for anybody that wants to get extra credit with derek <laughs> <laughs> and do some research on his behalf. <laughs> well, I'm going to do my own research. I just thought, uh, you know, I was trying to shortcut the system, but I assume you knew a little bit more about it. But uh, I'm going to be looking at this. Well, if, if you look at all the different things that are in that area as we go along through all this, yeah. I think you'll start to see why it's um, mm-hmm. a, a, a biosphere. The Frontenac Arch Biosphere Foundation is a nonprofit charity created to support education and research for conservation and sustainable development in the Frontenac Arch Biosphere. Which, when you go back to what the biosphere definition is, yeah. they, they talk about the education, research, and conservation. Uh, the foundation's primary focus is operating the Frontenac Arch Biosphere Nature Camp, which again, education, at the Land and Bay Center. Each summer, area children learn throughout, through outdoor experiences and education about protection of natural, cultural, historical, and spiritual heritage, including United Empire Loyalist and First Nations history. Hmm. So historical, um, environmental, all that sort of stuff is in that whole area, which again, when you go back to the original definition, 
That's yes, all in it, right? exactly, yeah. yeah. If you go to the website Frontenac Arch Biosphere.ca, at the top you'll see a little tab that says Explore Map. That's what I clicked because <laughs> okay. I wanted to see what it was. And if you click on that tab, it brings up six paddling areas within the biosphere. After that, I sort of didn't go back to the first page. <laughs> so I'm going to go there now. Go there now, as you can see. It. Yeah. So there are six water trail and routes through the, the biosphere. There's the yeah. Thousand Islands Water Trail, the Gananoque River Water Trail, Charleston Lake Area, Rideau Canal and Area Routes, South Frontenac Area, and the North and South Frontenac Area. Those are six different areas with routes in them, paddling routes in them. A <laughs> lot of paddling to be done, and it's extremely varied as to what you can find. This is, this is an area that there really is something for everybody. So I thought we'd just, you know, to whet everybody's appetite and get them looking yeah. at this. I thought we'd just appetite. go through all of these little areas. Each yep. area has different routes in it. So let's start at the first one, the Charleston Lake area. It has <laughs> four different routes. Uh, Charleston Lake Provincial Park's geological features are unique in that Charleston Lake is being cradled by two distinct bedrock types, granite and sandstone. So again, when you're talking about a biosphere and why it is. Yes. The water of Charleston Lake overlooks the ridges and valleys created by the erosion of the ancient mountain ranges, which defines the Frontenac Arch region. This park was once visited regularly thousands of years ago by the native uh, peoples of Canada. These early nomads would travel across the area following their seasonal pattern of hunting and gathering. And you can still portage across the 3,000-year-old portage route linking Charleston Lake to Red Horse Lake. The, hmm. four, yeah, the four paddle routes. Uh, first route, Charleston Lake to Lyndhurst. Lyndhurst a little town just northwest, I think, of, of Charleston Lake. Offers beautiful scenery of the valleys of ancient bedrock. Also, Charleston Lake Provincial Park. Offers great hiking trails, lookouts, and campsites for visitors to explore. Second route is Lower Beverly Lake. The circumference of the lake along main shorelines is about 28 kilometers. So, I mean, there is a day or two, right? Yes. Yeah. Upper Beverly Lake uh, is the third route. Originally, Upper Be Beverly Lake was just two small lakes, but merged into its present single lake status due to the dam in Delta. In the past, this lake served as the mill pond for Old Stone Mill, or the Delta Mill. Paddling distance from Delta to the head of the lake is 4 miles, uh, 6.5 kilometers. Circumference of the lake following the main shoreline is about 22 kilometers, or 14 miles. Some of the shoreline is high developed with cottages, but the majority of it is natural state. So that's one, I, I mean, you may paddle through, but probably yeah. not hang out on. Marble Rock to Charleston Lake is the final route after traveling upstream heading north on the Gananoque River for approximately 4.2 kilometers. You'll turn up a creek running about 13 kilometers long, and this will take you right into Charleston Lake. Uh, so that's the first area. And I mean, even that is like, that's some good paddling in there. I'm looking at a map now. There's a lot of water in that area. Yeah, yeah. This whole area is uh, west of Ottawa. 
And mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it, it, I think it can sort of, if you use Ottawa as the end, uh, the, the tip of a triangle, and then you use Highway 7 as the one side of the triangle, and then the 401 is the second half of the triangle, or the second th- uh, side of the triangle. Yeah. Everything within those two lines uh, is pretty much this biosphere. It's a huge area. Yeah. 2,700 square kilometers from what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> but to, you can hear 2,700. That doesn't really mean anything until you look at it on a map. I'm looking at the map right now, and I'm I'm looking at the uh, upper left is Westport, Sydenham in the lower left, Gananoqua in the bottom center, and Brockville in the upper right. It's a, it's a huge area. It spans mm-hmm. a long – so it's a Charleston Lake area. is like uh, right where people see the cutoff on the 401 to uh, Thousand Islands. Uh, there, it's right. That's a right dead center between Gananoqua and Brockville, and it's it's right in the core, in the lower right part of the biosphere reserve. This is like it's just. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me to see how much water we actually have in Canada. All the lakes oh, yeah. and waterways and rivers. It's it, every time I look at a map, it still blows my mind. It's like there's so much water. Well, have you ever traveled down Highway Seven from Toronto yeah. to? Ottawa? To Ottawa, yeah. How yeah. windy it is? I know, yeah. It's, it's nice going past around all those lakes. Yes, exactly, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, the second route, or second second area, is the Gananoque River Paddling Trail. Uh, this trail winds through the heart of the Frontenac Arch Biosphere and Thousand Islands Watershed and contains marvelous scenic views. There's three routes in this one. The first one is a stretch of river from Gananoque on the St. Lawrence to the dam at Marble Rock. The distance from the St. Lawrence to Marble Rock is more, a little more than 11 kilometers, and with the portage, probably four to five hours of water. So, I mean, there's you're looking at a, a day trip if you're going up and back, right? Yeah. Second route extends from above the dam at Marble Rock to the village of Lindhurst. That's what I'm finding is when they put these sections, these routes, yeah. it's like you can start way down at the bottom and then go all the way to the top, or you can start at the beginning of each section and just do a section. Second route extends above uh, the dam at Marble Rock to the village of Lindhurst. Uh, the distance about 28 to 29 kilometers from the access point at Marble Rock Road is potentially a day's worth of pleasant paddling. Third route covers the waterway of Lindhurst Creek uh, through Lower Beverly and the community of Delta between Upper and Lower Beverly Lakes. First half of this section is up the sheltered and tranquil Lindhurst Creek. The second half is the open waters of Lower Beverly Lake. This route in the, the routes in this area are best traveled from south to north. While at first glance this seems to go against the flow, the current speed is overall quite slow. However, in going north to south, for the most part, the wind will be at your back. Or sorry, from going south to north, the wind will be at your back. Prevailing wind of the region is from the southwest and on many afternoons can be brisk. Therefore, the upriver passage actually tends to be the path of the least resistance. So go against the flow, baby. The third area is the North and Central Frontenac. North and Central Frontenac region offers beautiful scenes of the rugged, forested, and lake-scattered features of the Canadian Shield. Again, this area has four routes to paddle. Big Gull Lake is a 12-mile-long lake which offers excellent appearance experience for visitors to explore the secluded beauty of the rugged Frontenac area. The beauty of Crotch Lake 
is the entire shoreline of this lake is crown land. Thus, undeveloped and undisturbed. If Martin Mm -hmm. Pine is listening to this right now, which I'm sure he is, Crotch Lake is the place to go. Near the middle of the lake is a large... Now it's huge. What's that? It's a big wandering. Looking at it on a map now, it's a huge wandering lake. There's lots of arms and stuff. You could Mm -hmm. investigate for like... You could spend a lot of time here and investigating the shorelines and all the reaches and all the little inlets. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, Near the middle of the lake, the large peninsulas on both the east and west sides are part of a conservation reserve further protecting the unique environmental features found here. Salmon River to Gull Lake is a nice half-day paddle route, beginning at Salmon River, paddling through Buck and Bull Lakes. Water is mainly still water with a slow current and good fishing opportunities. Charbot Lake, which we've camped at before, is situated near the cities of Ottawa and Kingston on the southern flank of the Canadian Shield, billion-year-old expanse of exposed Precambrian bedrock, its sparse and rugged landscape supports a diverse mixed forage of maple, oak, birch, butternut, and hickory. Red ash, sumac, cedar, and hemlock grow on top of the rocky ridges that rise abruptly above this lake shore. So again, you're, you're now going from like the nice, easy-looking things to these hard, rugged landscapes, right? So it's already mm-hmm. changing. Uh, The fourth area is the Rideau Canal and area routes. Major attraction tourists, the Rideau Canal is a designated National Historic Site of Canada and UNESCO World Heritage Site. You can traverse from Kingston to Ottawa the distance of 202 kilometers while stopping and exploring the surrounding beauty and places and things along the canal. Canal was constructed in 1832 as a precaution in case the war with the United States. Uh, and today's the oldest operating canal in North America. Have you, have you paddled the, the Rideau Canal at all? I have. I've skated on it. I've never paddled it. Okay. Uh, there are nine sections in this area. I'm not going through all nine sections. <laughs> no, <this is> a... <laughs> uh, things to watch for include: there are rapids uh, present on some of the routes. The locks at Chafee's, Davis, and Jones Falls are very scenic. Plenty of natural landscapes. The historic Tay Basin, an extensive marshland in the Tay Canal. Watch for the rare black tern, golden eagles, herons, and various other water birds. And the Rideau Canal expands, no, sorry, extends from Kingston to Ottawa, a distance of 202 kilometers. There are 49 locks that operate on the canal, and you'll just want to check the operating times if you're going to do that route. But yeah, that, that'd be kind of cool to do the whole Ottawa to Kingston thing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Didn't we cover somebody who did that route? Didn't we talk, we talk oh, about that somebody in an episode? Teacher did that, didn't Wasn't the teacher yeah. that did that? He moved by canoe, wasn't that? Oh, that's what it was, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> he used his vacation <laughs> as a move and he got his, his vacation was paid for because it was a move. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> he was doing the summer school. He was teaching summer school up there. Yeah. The fifth... And second last one is the South Frontenac and area routes. Explore the diversity of scenic forests and wildlife on the waterways of the South Frontenac region. This area has eight different sections offering scenic paddle with calm water, excellent fishing opportunities, Frontenac Provincial Park, a semi-wilderness park featuring Canadian shield granite outcrops, vast wetlands, 28 lakes, mixed forests, plants, and wildlife. And you can do some portage trips through there. Yeah. And some pretty big lakes. Yeah, I was looking at them. There's some pretty big lakes there. Um, 
and yeah, so there's there, there's a few provincial parks in this whole area as well. Uh, Frontenac, Charbot Lake, you know that you can you can stay at. The final area is the Thousand Islands Paddling Trail. I would think I would be more inclined to do a lot of this in a kayak as opposed to a canoe. Yeah, because it's more open water. Yeah. Thousand Islands Paddling Trail is divided into nine paddling routes organized to follow the flow of the St. Lawrence River from Kingston in the west to Brockville in the east. They are somewhat artificial in that the river can be paddled in any direction and in thousands of combinations. Routes are constructed as half-day and full-day excursions and directly abut one another to allow for extended tripping. Now, if you go to frontnackarchbiosphere.ca and you click the Explore tab um, and you go to the, the sixth one, the Thousand Islands Paddling Trail, you can mm-hmm. actually download the nine route maps. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, the area seems to have it all. Paddling, historical points of interest, wildlife scenery, you name it, it it's there. Uh, you can pick your day. If you want to do an extended one, you know, you, you can stay in Kingston at a hotel. You don't have to camp. Um, there's all the different little places along the way. We make it, make it as far as Gananoque. There's hotels, that sort of thing. And uh, you can camp as well. Um, and that is the Frontenac Arch Biosphere as it pertains to paddling. It's, uh, it's, we've only talked about this for a very short period of time, but it's, uh, it's a massive area mm-hmm. with, like, I don't know that I could even be satisfied with covering a, a portion of the routes. There's just so much to see in that area. And it's what amazes me is that I, I was unaware of it. Well, like I say, I've been going through there for years going, man, look at all this water here. Not realizing it was all part of this part big of a canoe route. thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, you can take your canoe, your kayak, your stand-up paddleboard, and anywhere in any of this stuff. And you definitely have to spend some time on their website going through all this stuff. I mean, I've just yeah. scratched the surface of what what all these things say, and there's the maps and everything, and and routes. You can really plan out some some uh, good trips out of this. Now, be aware, there are a few warning notes on the website regarding a oh, couple yeah. of the routes. Uh, there's a couple of dams. One of them is um, you can't. There isn't a recognized portage on one side of the dam, so it's private property, and the other side of the dam is a um, portage at own risk sort of thing. Oh. Uh, yeah, so there's there's a couple of, of notes on the route, so just make sure you're, you're checking them out, as you would do with any canoe yeah, you're planning absolutely. on doing, right? And you, yeah, right, unless you're Scott, then, then yeah, you Yeah, well, know. yeah, then <laughs> good luck to you. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, when you're lo- when you're looking over some paddling destinations for summer, and especially this year, it looks like there's going to be a lot of people going like, I've had to use some of my vacation for this, or you know, I don't, I've, I've got, a, I can't take as much vacation as I usually do, sort of stuff. Man, this is it. You go here. I mean, it's it was, Kingston's two hours, Smith, Ottawa's four hours from Toronto, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so yep. it, it's it's you're, four hours max. And then anywhere in between that, you know, yes, you're, exactly. you're going, you can choose anything into there. So if, if you don't have a ton of time, then you can scoot up to a hotel Friday night somewhere up there, spend all day Saturday, Sunday paddling, and then head on home Sunday afternoon. You know, yeah, you get some good paddling. It's very accessible. It's mm-hmm. very easy to get to. It's right off the main highway 401 and highway seven corridors. Yeah. So it's the either corridor will get you deep into the, into the, uh, the Frontenac Arch Biosphere area. Mm-hmm. It's it's so accessible and it's it's incredible that uh, it's so much right at your fingertips. Didn't even know it was what? there. 
I'm going to be I'm going to be camping there within weeks. I'm sure. <laughs> That's where we're all going. <laughs> so yeah, and I get me a solo trip in there and check things out. So yeah, so like I say, I was just googling some stuff and paddling in the area, and because like I say, I, I don't know what's going to happen this summer. We we none of us know when everything's going to be lifted that we can yeah go back out and start doing what we want to do, and so you just start looking at different areas and. Um, all of a sudden this biosphere paddling in the biosphere. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's that? And I said, oh, there's <laughs> six different areas. Whoa. Yeah. And then, yeah, started looking at that. But even if you aren't into total paddling all week or weekend or something, it sounds like it's a good family oriented place for different camping opportunities, hiking opportunities, and big educational opportunities for the kids. Yes. And when we used to go to the provincial parks and stuff like that, that was one of the big things that we always made sure we got our kids to with some of the educational events. Um, you know, especially Algonquin, you you take the kids up in the morning, they'd have the meet the wildlife dude, uh, the yeah, wolf meet guy, the naturalist, the naturalist and, that's yeah, it. Yeah. 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 The park's naturalist, do this, do that. There's yeah, it, it like we've uh, a lot of our family camping has been in the Highway 60 corridor of Algonquin Park and uh at like Mew Lake or whatever and they talk about um they talk about, you know, the naturalist is doing this at ten o'clock at visitor center and this, that, the other thing. There's always these things that are put on. It's it doesn't matter where you go, what park you go to, it's but it, there's always a naturalist local and they they teach you about the area, the flora, fauna, you know, how many snakes are in the area and this, that, the other thing. So it's this is another one of those things. It's great to get the family out and Mm -hmm. i'm looking here i see there's uh study opportunities there's nature camps there's there's uh natural history uh, teaching things and is there mountain biking uh, there i can't remember that one oh i don't know i don't see anything about cycling oh cycling cycling diving hiking paddling places and tours All, all under that explore map okay yeah oh and there's diving too yeah, so it's right on the uh, right on the uh, you know the Thousand Islands area and stuff. There's mm-hmm. a lot of wrecks there, so it's really good. Oh yeah, area. that's right, that's right. My yeah. uh, brother-in-law goes scuba diving there on the wrecks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, there's a Huge lot. Area. It's amazing. Wow, huh. Thousand Islands has become one of the world's premier freshwater dive sites. Numerous wrecks and a challenging terrain, along with remarkably clear water, attracts divers from across the continent. And they start, they list all the boats. One, two, three times. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, six, seven, eight thousand, nine thousand, ten thousand. Holy <laughs> jumping, there's a lot of boats. Yes, yes. There's a lot of wrecks in the area. So either bad things happen there or people just suck at driving boats. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely go to um, the Frontenac Arch biosphere.ca and check out all their stuff you'll definitely get some paddling in there some hiking in there get your kids out and uh like i say it's it's pretty close to toronto so you'll definitely get some uh, opportunities to get out this year yeah hmm. amazing i thought so i'm missing a piece of paper here well i'll have to say thanks sean that you've introduced me to a new area that i want to investigate well you're welcome derek Anything for you, buddy. (laughs) It's going to present a whole host of new opportunities. Yeah, you know what? And it's close, like I say. I mean, I go to Ottawa for lunch and back if, you know. Yes, yeah. So that's uh, that's nothing, man. That's going up there for the day. Get up there early in the morning, paddle all day, come back late at night. That's a full-on day. 
So it uh, so four one goes through it, but Highway Seven is north of it. Mm-hmm. So Highway Seven doesn't actually go through it. Hey, there's a little town called Ungava. Yeah. I wonder if they got a peninsula there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, doors this way. I'll see myself out. <laughs> <laughs> So the nearest town off Highway 7 is Charlotte Lake. Yeah. So I recognize a lot of these towns, Godfrey well, and... Yeah. Well, that's why Charbert I say Lake. it's sort of, it's, if, if you picture, um, two sides of a triangle with one side being yeah. the 401 and the other side being Highway 7, yeah. then everything's right between it sort of thing, right? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. There you go, buddy. There you go. Yeah. Start researching. Start yeah. researching. Um, that's all I've got this week. What about you, man? Anything else? No, I'm, I'm tapped out. I'm just staring at a map right now. Oh. I'm trip planning as we speak. He's trip planning as we speak. We've lost Derek, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We've lost I'm, Derek. I'm zoned and out. And that's not really saying much. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, and all your favorite uh, podcast download sites. You can go to the episode page at Battling Adventures Radio and click on the old episode tab and uh, download or stream all 220 episodes that we have so far. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends. Uh, let them know we're out there. Um, we are still, even with everything that's going on, we're still trying to put out our weekly show and uh, so far we're being successful at it. So, uh, and that's about it. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.